Hey there, welcome to the Andrew Baxter podcast, and I'm here with my offsider and wingman, Mr. Mitchell Renshaw. How are Mr. we today? I'm exceptional. How are you, Mr. Baxter? Very well indeed. That's Very well lovely indeed. to hear. So what have we got today? What are we covering? Well, funnily enough, we're actually covering my favourite topic of all time. You want to know what that is? Go on. It's about you. <laughs> this is about Andrew Baxter, funnily enough, right? Right up. That is my favourite subject too. So, uh, <laughs> let's see what we can run well, with. Well, who doesn't love talking about themselves, right? Totally, totally. So yeah. what would you like to know? Well... Well, you know, just as a bit of background, we, I mean, we all know that you are a seasoned multi-millionaire trader, right? And you've been doing this for what, 27, 28 years, right? Where did it all start? Let's, let's take it back <laughs> because it's a process, right? It hasn't just been like it's magically appeared. It's, it's been a, a result of many things in order. So let's start us off. I mean, was it uni? Was it school? I mean, where did it start? Oh, mate, it started back a while ago now. I feel old when you say 27 years. About 89, 88 years ago, roughly, about that <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, I mean, I, my, my, my background is pretty humble. I grew up in a working class family. Uh, my father worked in a car factory. My mum was a cleaner. I uh, grew up in a little town called Swindon in the UK. So wow. a railway town, car factory town and so on. And um, yeah, it was, uh, I had a very happy childhood. Not, a, not one that was blessed with money. We were reasonably financially strapped. But then everybody was uh, where I grew up. So it was almost the norm. But my mum and dad, and I really have to thank them for a lot, uh, probably the main one, they always encouraged me to say, you know, Andrew, work hard at school so you can get a good job. They always encouraged me to read. Good advice. Know, gracious reader, absolutely. And uh, and I did that and um, got into uni. I uh, got a Bachelor of Science with Honours in Business and Finance. Wow. Uh, and that really started to open a lot of doors um, because, you know, most people in the town I grew up didn't at that time go to university. Um, yeah, it was unusual. Um, Just to stop you there, do you think from an early age you had this, the view that you wanted to take things further, that you wanted to so maybe escape that cycle of, of worrying about money? Mm, that's an interesting one. My father was a very, very hard worker. So if he couldn't get overtime at the car factory, he'd work on a building site or anything, do car repairs, anything. Sure. He's a very hard worker. So he always did a great job of providing uh, for, for me. I'm an only child, so for our family. And um, yeah, and I think to an extent that's where I've got my work ethic from seeing that. But it, it's funny when you really look back and you think, what were some of the things that drove you to want to do certain Exactly, things? right. Um, I was a voracious reader and always have been, always will be, I'm sure. And uh, my parents couldn't keep up with demand for books. I'd read a book a day almost. And, wow. And so my dad, uh, something my dad worked with at the car factory used to get National Geographic. Remember the yellow, little, little, about that sort of thick and they're sort of, you know, they're an unusual size. Well, I think magazine. you're talking to the wrong person here. You know, I was born You'll probably get on the Kindle or maybe on the, uh, on the, on the iPad. Mine too. comes an Apple Watch, actually. Well, there you are. Um, and uh, I remember looking at these magazines and every month there was an advert for Rolex watches in there. And there was this amazing hero that had conquered the world, climbed Everest, gone to the depths of the ocean, and the only wow. reason he was able to do it was because of this watch. And I had this, this fixation Thing, for watches, right, which I still have now, but a lot of them in the safe at home. What are you wearing right now? Uh, yeah, Panerai today, actually. Wow. Very stylish on the Hublot front there. Yeah, I mean, I had to match, right? Black on black. Looking sharp. Thank you. And, and for me, uh, and I remember sort of, you know, you go into, uh, particularly if I went to London with, with my parents, and you'd be looking in these jewelry shop windows dreaming about that, and it just sort of a little fire inside of me that you don't typically get something like that uh, unless you're pulling down some sort of money. And I didn't think about it again. I think it's just something that's subliminally it's just something that's planted in your mind. Was it maybe the whole the whole sim symbolic, you know, message of what of what that represented? That Rolex, not necessarily the watch, but for what it represented, is that is that kind of range true for you? Yeah, I've never really given it a lot of thought, to be honest with you. And now we're sort of sort of right on it and in depth, and there's people watching. It's a bit embarrassing, but you know, I think sometimes there are just seeds that come along, 
and, and plant something in your mind and they're latent. You don't think about them and you, they, they don't even exist. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's, it, it's a trigger for sure. something perhaps later on. And I think that may be, may be something for me. So, you know, while I was at school, I uh, had a part-time job. My dad insisted I get a degree from the University of Life. <laughs> uh, you know, he's a hardworking man. So I had a few different sort of part-time jobs. Worked in a bakery. Wow. Uh, it's one of my favorite jobs, actually. I love that. And um, saved up a bit of money. I was earning a pound an hour, big money. One pound an hour, was wow. it? And saved up some money, had a few sidelines there, and um, eventually saved up a bit of money and decided to buy some shares. So I'd, I'd, we'd been doing stuff about the share market at school, and uh, yeah, bought my. Bought How old were you? I would have been about fourteen, I think. Then. 14? Fourteen, fifteen. So you would open the accounting your dad's name, but obviously yeah. it legal, right? I don't know. We haven't got the tax office listening, yeah. so I'm going to logistics on that. But um, but yeah, I, I, I just um, I ended up buying these shares. I actually don't even remember what the company was now. I'm breaking my brains, and I don't remember. Wow, and, uh, that was a brilliant investment. Winner or loser? Loser. Oh, <laughs> me, me too. I think we've all got the same story, right? Yeah. Oh, Seriously. And, and, and for me, it was a real slap across the face because quite often when people talk about investing, they make it sound very easy and anybody can do it. And sure. Out. And I remember, you know, the stuff we'd done at school was very theoretical and well, it's a one-way bet, you know, this is how rich people make their money. And, and so I think I might have had like maybe 200 pounds or something on it. And, and that was, it wasn't gone, but there was enough taken off it to hurt, especially yeah. when you're earning a pound an hour to have oh, to Oh, wow. Yeah, there's 200 hours work there. That's yeah. So it, it would have stung a little bit. And uh, anyway, I, I, I was absolutely resolute. I didn't enjoy the experience, but I always think, and, and it's a cliche, but I've used it many times since, a, a trade's either a profit or it's a profit from a learning perspective. Sure. And this one certainly was a learning perspective for me. And um, I decided to learn a lot more about it. So as I said, I was a reader. Um, one of the best books that really got me fired up was probably written by Robert Kiyosaki, uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, you did an event with Robert, didn't you? That's right, and we've, wow. we've been on tour with Robert. Um, we've been on tour with Robert now maybe three, four times over the last 10 wow. years. And it's kind of ironic that one of your early mentors, yeah. you read a book about when you're a kid. How you know, things turn out, right? And you're on stage high-fiving. In fact, we were just in Auckland playing touch football. I've seen that for a great video. <laughs> Behind the stages, everyone was warming up. It was a lot of fun. Um, loves his rugby, Robert. Anyway, I, I, uh, I, was, I was reading this, and it started to really get me thinking because I had a very, very hard-working father and mother. And yet we weren't really getting ahead. Uh, and maybe you've got to sometimes look in life through different lenses. And, and it started me thinking, and then you read the other books in that sort of genre, and you realize there's more out there. So I learned a little bit more about the stock market too, and I actually bought some shares. My second investment, a little bit better this time, uh, was in a company called Abbey National. Which, wow. Uh, company was a building society, it was demutualizing, was a term for it. And I, and I bought these shares, bought them for a pound. And uh, and uh, bought I think I had about five hundred pounds worth everything I had all in. Wow! Didn't know about risk management. Push the chips in. Push the all chips in. in. We're in, buddy. We're onto it. And uh, anyway, I sold them for about eleven quid each. So I made like five and a half grand on that investment, wow. which to me at the time was all the money in the world. How old were you? Uh, probably sixteen, something like that. Wow! Time, That's a lot of money for a sixteen-year-old. Yeah. Right? Look, it is, and I think. More than the money itself, I think for me, you talk about those things like, you know, you talk about having an idea of a watch, for example, ingrained in your brain. Um, but for me, it was probably the first time I'd ever seen money work for me. Yeah, my parents always said, you know, save your money for a rainy day. Sure. Great advice in the UK, rains a lot. Um, that's a terrible bad joke. Yeah, seriously. Um, but, um, you know, they, they always said save. And, you know, I'm sure as we go further down in different episodes, we talk about, you know, money and kids and people's relationship with money and how you teach kids, that sort of stuff. So I'd, I'd been quite an avid saver as my parents were, but we, we, we weren't getting ahead. Anyway, roll the clock forward. Good grades at school, worked hard, got into uni. Um, got my honours degree and set sail for, for a career in the city of London, uh, wow. you know, the world's epicentre for investing. And I got a good degree, that's what got me in the door, and I worked hard, and, uh, and that really shifted 
um, everything from being a kid from a, a working class uh, town. And I started to see sort of shreds of this at uni. You know what it's like, you, you go through uni, sure. you see people from a lot of different backgrounds from where you're from. Definitely. Wealthy, not wealthy, smart, not smart, and everything in between. And I started to see that there was a bit more to life than just the town I grew up in. And um, But working in the city of London, that was an eye-opener. I mean, some of the people I worked alongside and worked with that were further along the, the journey were pulling down millions a year. Wow. And, and you kind of look at it and go, how the heck did you get there? Yeah. What can I learn? And it's a real eye-opener that all of a sudden you're not earning 10, 20, 30, and these are small numbers, it was obviously a while ago for me, but you know, 20, 30 grand a year, these are people pulling down millions of dollars a year, or pounds as it was over there. Wow. And and, and you think, well, there's, there's this huge world that you've been so insulated from. Sure. And, and once you've seen that sort of thing, you can't unsee it. You get a taste for it and that's it, right? You do get a taste for it. Addictive. You also get a taste for the spending that goes with it. (laughs) (laughs) So what what was your first job? I mean, were you a trader when you first stepped out of uni? I mean, what were you? No, I I I was actually working for a bank for a while. Um, It was actually quite a strong recession uh, when I I graduated. So I started working for a bank uh, initially and then very quickly moved out of there into treasury and then into investment management more or less straight away. Cool. And and, and being on a a trading and investing floor and investment management floor for a, a very old and established business and it was quite conservative. Um, and, and, and at that point in time, I remember there was a guy on the floor that was the derivatives person. This is another thing I've sort of touched it at uni. Wow. But there's suddenly this bang, big leverage and like, okay, well, what's this all about? Yeah. I've never really seen derivatives be used before. And sure. In all fairness to that particular investment manager, the best track record with them either. Um, but it was really fascinating to see mm-hmm. how to get big exposure with, you know, a decent chunk of money, but amplify that. Sure. So that, that was quite interesting. So I was there for a couple of years, moved to a bigger firm, and, and that was a true eye-opener because that was a global player. And, and that's where I saw my time out in London. I had almost seven years there. And, um, you know, this is a multi-billion dollar major financial institution in wow. the epicenter of the city of London, working alongside traders that are managing hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars of position in any one slab. And this is numbers flying around, people on the phone, everything going on, right? Absolutely, and back then, you know, if you think about computer screens now versus then, these were green monochrome <laughs> monitors, right? So there's no color, color or anything. It's just incredible when you think it wasn't that long ago, but that's where it was. It's crazy. And you're ordered on the phone and there's yelling and there's arms and there's signals and open outcry. Wow. It's 50 bid and it's all, it's, all, it's all going on like this and it seems almost archaic, but that's how things were then and it worked very, very well. Um, but I made a point that I just immersed myself in my role there and anyone I could learn from I did, and for example, uh, there's one chap there, uh, his name was Jim, we'll leave his surname out, uh, but uh, his name was Jim, and I actually learned how to chart uh, from Jim. Wow. Uh, and, and again, you talk about reading a chart. Most yeah. people have looked at the stock market or got an e-trade account or uh, an account with us, with our broking firm. Um, yeah, charting is so mainstream now, yet back then, this is cutting edge. Wow. And, and it's on your computer screen. You're not drawing it out manually. It's actually on a computer screen. Oh wow, my this God. is amazing. And this is not that old. I'm not that old, right? Oh. It's, it's like, <laughs> steady. And uh, <laughs> when you appraisal, you? And, uh, and, and so, you know, it was a true eye-opener. And that gave me really my first proper taste of technical analysis. And, 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 and that's really set things up for me for the next sort of 20, 25 years in my wow. working career. So it's, it's so funny how those threads are. But you've, it's like anything in life, Mitch. You, you, you've got to be open, um, you know, information, success, money, 
everything only flows to people that are open and teachable. And you, you've got to not have an ego. You've got to be humble and say, look, I, I, I want to learn. What can you teach me? Will you sure. teach me? Will you sure. help me? And asking for help, you know, a lot of people out there, especially as we get older and especially for men, asking for help, uh, uh, I think a lot of people see as a sign of weakness. It's actually a sign of strength. I agree. Um, if you don't know something, ask for help on it. And, and, and so that set me on my way. So that took me through to, to, to the uh, early part of 1999. So that dates the story some. Uh, and I had the opportunity. I was dating an Aussie girl at the time. She knew I wasn't overly fulfilled at work. I'd learned a lot. I was making some good money. Um, but I was looking for more. I didn't know what it was at the time, but I was looking for more. Sure. And, and maybe adventure uh, might have been part of that because, you know, I, I was at school, small town, went straight into uni, graduated when I was 20, went into work, worked really hard, and hadn't really had any downtime per se uh, to, to, to really, I'm not going to say discover myself, but to, to, to look outside of that particular pathway that I'd set myself sure. on. I had to watch at that point in time. So, <laughs> um, so that seed was was well and truly tweaked in there, and uh, and so I had the opportunity to move to Australia. And I say to this day, best decision ever made. Nineteenth of April, nineteen ninety nine. Remember wow. yesterday? It was best decision ever made, and moved here and um, traded a bit from home back then. Uh, online trading uh, was a new thing. Again, you know, this dates a story. And like, if you if you're watching this and you're a millennial, you're probably thinking this sounds hard to believe. Um, but you used to pull the cable out of the back of the phone, put it in the computer and get dial-up internet. That was then. You know, you look at it now and you- I can't you, relate, seriously. No, you're talking had about a wooden person. Key, had a wooden keyboard on oh the computer. Oh my God, well, oh my right? God. And, um, and, and so I did some trading from home. The dot-com boom was running hard at the time too, so it was a very good time to be trading, made a lot of money. Um, but I'd never really taught anyone how to do this, and I didn't expect to. And I sort of fell into this whole business that we have now, Australian Investment Education, thousands of clients and we've taught you know, tens of thousands of people over the years. Um, never really expected or, or, or thought I'd be teaching people this this jiggery-pokery that us professional traders do. And anyway, I, I met a guy playing golf and um, he asked me what I did. It was like a Tuesday, Wednesday, I wasn't at work. He said, how come you're not at work? I said, well, how come you're not at work? He said, I'm retired. Technically, so am I. So, he said, well, how do you manage that? 28, 29? 29, yeah. Wow. Uh, he, he says to me, so, um, how do you manage that? And I said, well, obviously not playing golf. I'm a, you know I'm a bad golfer. <laughs> it works out good value for money. Yes. Sure, right? and, um, and I said, I trade. And that's how things started. So I taught him, he's a lovely guy. And um, that was one of my first, if not my first client. Rolled the clock forward, sat down with my accountant, had a tax year, he asked me what I was doing, told him. He was interested, seen some of the results. And um, we built a process, paint by numbers, which is now known as cash flow on demand. That's how things started way wow. back then. And and um, and we started teaching the accountants clients, and then I bumped into somebody I met that had really good trading software. This was like Color, and and, and, and you know, actually came Color. On, yeah, it came on discs. Oh you know, my god! I, you wouldn't have, you might have heard about these in a museum or something. It came on disc. You used to plug the software into it on a disc. A disc on a disc. I've never yeah. heard about those. Yeah, no, it was before your time. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they're, right. They're okay. Really good beer coasters. Right. And. Um, and he had this brilliant trading software that was really good for charting, but he couldn't get any of his subscribers to stay on because they worked out he's a software that didn't know how to trade. So I started writing some education for him, and boom, next thing you know, roll the clock forward nearly 20 years, and, and, and here we are as the preeminent educator wow. in Australia on the stock market. It's crazy, isn't it? Now, you're one of the, the largest educators in the country, right? I mean, it's crazy. It's such a streamlined, simple process that we have now. It's cash flow and demand. Yeah. It's crazy here where it came from. It's many, many years of experience and many, many years of practice, right? I think I think the art, and, and for anyone watching this that, that, that perhaps is looking to learn how to invest or maybe you've had a go and hasn't worked as well as you'd like or whatever it may be, um, quite often when you meet people in our game that, that run hedge funds, which I've done, or run broking business, which I've done, we're in a financial planning business and all the different things that we do within within our organization here now, 
Um, normally you meet people in our space and they speak in code, they talk jargon, and it's very, very hard to access what's actually going on. And I, I really hate it when people do that because I think you know, everybody deserves access to this kind of information, sure. provided, provided that they're prepared to step up and commit. Right. All right? And that's important. You've got to have, okay. the, 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 in life there are lifters and leaners. Uh, and if you're someone that's a leaner and you're not that, you're just someone that gets information, you're an interested person but not right. committed, that's why success doesn't follow. You've got to commit, you've got to lift, you've got to get in. Right? Okay. Um, but I think you know that door should be open to people that want that. So we've made a point, and I guess it's been the mainstay of our values as a business, um, that we speak plain English, we don't use jargon, we've developed a paint-by-numbers approach that anybody, and it doesn't matter whether you've left school with no qualifications at 15 years old and we've got clients in that space, that have gone on to be tremendously successful traders on the back of what we've taught them. Or whether you're someone that's got a PhD uh, from you know MIT or wherever it might be, <laughs> it doesn't matter where in that spectrum you are, people can run with this. In fact, sometimes it's easier if you come from the other end of the spectrum rather than the academic one because right. you're more open. You don't have that, I already know this. Right. You know, it's, not, not, it's not what you know. You don't get paid for what you know, you get paid for what you do. And uh, I guess the, the, the cornerstone of everything I've done in my career over the last 27 years isn't about knowing it, it's about actually doing it and following it through. And that's where the results come. And do you feel as though a lot of people get those two mixed up between knowing things and actually having the confidence to pull the trigger? 100%. I mean, and how do you, how, how do we give, you know, if you had to sum it up, how do you give our clients the confidence to do so? Look, we're in an information age and there's never been more information available to people. But sure. just because there's information available, it doesn't give you the ability to be able to put it together and use it in the right way. And people often um, are under the misconception, oh, I know that, that's great but you've got to turn it into something. Knowledge on it, um, is, knowledge isn't power, it's just knowledge. Don't make sense, make dollars, right? I love the cliche. <laughs> um, so, you know, what we try and do is unpack it into a paint-by-numbers approach that you've got to work pretty hard to balls up and get wrong. And that's the secret to this, because if you create something that's a very good, robust process, but it's hard for people to follow, they won't. And you're dealing with two things, and I know we'll deal with these later uh, in this series. Um, it's not you versus the market in most cases, it's actually you versus yourself. Uh, and, and that can be, you know, if, if we take training this morning in the gym, you can lift the weight, and you, can you do it or not? And it's in your own mind whether or not you can lift it. You can, but if you talk yourself, oh, I'm tired today, I had a late night, I'm feeling a bit sore from yesterday's session, you're not gonna do it, you talk yourself out of it. So you've gotta be in that affirmative mindset that you're gonna do it and, and follow it through with committed action. Very, very important, that's true for anything. And, 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 and as we've seen our business grow you know, over the last 20 years training people doing this, and we've done this all over the world now, we've done it in Asia, we've done it in the US, we've done it in Canada, wow. we've done it in New Zealand, we do it here in Australia, obviously, uh, multiple countries through Asia. Um, the one thing that uh, successful clients have in common, number one, they're open. Uh, and I go back to my journey and how I learned this game from the inside out. You have to be open and you've got to be vulnerable and say, help me. And that's very, very hard for people to get past. Number two is not to get clogged up on the information. It's more to understand, if you look at it on, on, on three levels, and I don't want to dive deep on this, but you can, you can have principles, strategies, and techniques. Now, if you don't understand the principles and strategies, the techniques are wasted on you. Yet most right. people want to dive straight into the nitty gritty without understanding the bigger picture. And you have to be able to step back and see that first. It's like a jigsaw puzzle. You've got to look at the cover and see what's on the box to see what you're aiming at before sure. you dive in and fill it in. Makes sense. And, 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 and as I've seen our business grow, that sort of steadfast rule of, of helping people build confidence by seeing it done for real. And, and in our boot camps and our training studio here, we trade live, we trade for real, we have people from the general public that have gone through our program that have perhaps never traded before. 
pulling out returns one and a half, two and a half, three percent for a month, which is what we target with that particular strategy, done live right in front of them. And that confidence of seeing it done live is hugely important now. If I look at my journey, back in the day, I've seen millions and billions done live, and the number is irrelevant. And a lot of people, as they get into this journey, find it quite challenging when their account size, they might start with five or 10 grand, and then all of a sudden, maybe they've got 20 or 30 grand, they start to get nervous. And it's got nothing to do with the size of the account. The process is the same, whether it's a $1 trade, like my first 200 pound <laughs> learning experience that I had, or whether it's a multi-million dollar position that you're running. Sure. It's the process is exactly the same. And, and you've got to get that rock solid confidence to do that. And that's exactly what we, we instill in our clients through not only teaching and mentoring, but really building that psychology up. And, and I think that's been party to what our success has been. And you know, look back over the last 20 years in our business, uh, where we've gone and who we've helped and how we've got them there. And some of the people we've worked with, I mean, I mentioned earlier, Kiyosaki, great books, uh, sure. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, Cashflow Quadrant, the two cornerstones. If you're on your journey for wealth, start with those. If you've read them before, go back, read them again and apply what's in there because it'll set you free. I've done stuff in the property market as well, which is, uh, and again, I've had mentors and people in that space that have helped me uh, and, it's, and it's been good. Um, you know, people like Tony Robbins, I remember reading Awaken the Giant Within, Actually, uh, I, I remember reading that. I was on holidays, probably about 2001, 2002. I remember reading that book. And yet, subsequently, we've been on stage and present alongside Tony around the world in different places. It's crazy. And, and yeah, this is, this is someone that's been instrumental in my success journey. Uh, and much of what I do is based on the, the nuggets that you pull out of these people. We work with people like Mark Boris, spoken on some Mark many times, and you, you, you take those nuggets of what you pick up from those sorts of people, people like Sir Richard Branson, speak alongside you. You can't be around those people without learning something. And I don't throw those names out that are big. No, I'm just a kid from a poor working class town in the UK, and I worked hard at school, and my mom and dad told me, and I got my backside into gear, and I wanted more out of life. I don't know why I wanted more. Maybe it was those magazines, <laughs> but I've been able to work alongside some of the most successful people on the planet on any benchmark, whether it's in terms of wealth or particularly in the case of people like Tony, it's not just about the money, it's about the positive impact that they've been able to have on people's lives by opening doors of opportunity. Now, to a smaller extent, we've been able to do the same thing in, in the financial services space. And each day when I go home, and this is going to sound a bit soppy for someone that's a hard-nosed trader. Oh, wow, I'm excited now. Okay. I'm opening up. I'm being vulnerable for Okay, you. that's fine. Take your hand off my knee. I know I'm feeling vulnerable. I don't need the support. No, that's okay. <laughs> but, you know, when, when I finish each day, if I'm here in the office or if we've been uh, at an event somewhere, and you sort of sit down and look at the day and you look at the people you've been able to connect with, did you help them move forward in the way that they wanted to or the way that they needed encouragement to do? And if you've got them further along that journey, and maybe they haven't worked out how all those pieces of the puzzle go together yet, but if you've got them a couple of further steps along, yeah, that's incredibly fulfilling. And for me, it hasn't been about the money for a long time now. I'm a blessed man in that respect. I'm a family man. I've got a beautiful family, wife, wonderful children, and I love what I do here. And it's a mission now. It's not a business. It's a mission to help sort of get out and empower people. But that all starts with a decision to help yourself. Wow. I think there's many powerful messages that we can draw in that. And look, I think the way that you see Tony Robbins, for example, you did see is how many of our members would see you. So it's it's really special for well, you. Well, both very tall. Yeah. <laughs> well, what's it? You've got six foot seven, isn't He's it? huge. Yeah, he's about six, seven, six, eight, but he's... About, he's, he's His hands he's, are huge. Yeah, he's, a, he's a big man, but he's wow. got a massive heart. Wow. Now, look, I know you could talk about yourself forever, mm -hmm. um, but we're going to have to cut it here, Andrew, because we are coming to an end. Let's cap it off. A couple of last messages, a couple of key things to take away here for our members. Hmm. Okay. Um, nothing in life happens by accident. 
you know, you've got to make it happen. If it's going to be, it's down to you. And I think the hardest thing for most people is that they can often be frustrated, especially with money or, or, or where they're at in life or whatever station. It doesn't matter. You get no choice in where you start. You're born. And hopefully you're born in a good country where there are opportunities. And if you're not, then you've got to make the best of it. Sure. Everything that happens from that point on, you can do something about. Now, if you're born poor, you've got no choice in that. If you die poor, shame on you. And I don't mean just in terms of money poor. But I mean, in terms of the quality of life that you've had in that, maybe it's a life full of regret that you could have done more, but you left your run too late, or you didn't take the shot because people might've laughed at you or, or whatever it might be. And I can't remember how many thousand times people have laughed at me with different ideas. And I know you guys give me a hard time in here all the time. Well, we we wouldn't be our boss if we didn't, right? But, but that's, that's, that's an important thing. And you've got to be, you've got to give away the opinion of other people and say, this is what I want. But most people don't actually know what they want to aim at. And any road will take you nowhere you've got to have a very clear idea of what it is you want and that will change it will evolve over time and so too you've got to be steadfast in what you want but you've got to be incredibly flexible in the plan that you have to get there wow because things change all the time so that's number one number two is never give up you know people unfortunately run into a headwind and in investing my first trader lost money i know you did on yours too i sure did and it doesn't make you give up it makes you want to learn more and, and master it and, and, and yet some people, when they stub their toe, that's it. They want to go home and, and, and suck their thumb and get the comforter out and that's it. They've given it a go and it didn't work out. You've got to be resolute that it's going to happen. And, and you know, there's a terrific um, speech by Winston Churchill at Harvard University. And there was a graduating speech and he gave it. And he came in and take his hat off, stood up in front of the lecture theater and everyone's silent, ready for this great leader uh, to share his wisdom. He said, never give up. Put his hat on, walk back out. Shortest Powerful message, right? It's what it's all about. So have a plan, never give up. And probably thirdly is have fun along the way. You've got to enjoy the journey. Sure. Success is not about the destination, it's the journey, it's the person you become along totally. the way, the experiences you have. I never in my wildest dreams expected to be traveling the world, speaking to tens of thousands of people alongside some of the biggest luminaries in the world. But at the same time, that's on the big stage stuff. And, and, and whilst there's an ego rub in that, and I'll be honest with you, there is an ego rub. You walk out on stage with five, 6,000 people in an audience, man, you feel amazing. Sure. Imagine what it must be like to be a rock star or something, right? But when we get smaller groups, particularly you know, when we do some of our niche work where there's more mentoring in a smaller group, and, you, and, and instead of being in a big auditorium, there's maybe 20, 30 people, that ability to connect with somebody and really they feel you, you feel them, you know where they're at, and you can see that you're having an impact on the light bulbs come up. Like in our training studio here, when people place their first trade, and you see that look of yes. excitement on them. Yeah. They've broken it. The heart pounding, the whew. Yeah, that's priceless. And you've got to have, those are the little magic moments along the way that put fuel in the tank. Totally. If it's all about the destination, when you get there, if you don't like it, you'll be really frustrated. If you've had fun along the way, and, 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 and you're happy with the growth you're having on that journey, and the people that you've surrounded yourself with along the way, I think that's a great space to be. Yeah. Wow, that, 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 that's some amazing lessons. I'm very blessed to hear that. Now, how much do I owe you for those? <laughs> uh, Afterpay, four easy installments, oh, how about that? Okay, not a problem, I'm sure we can arrange that, right? Yeah. So there you have it. So that's a little bit about the journey uh, that I've been on and it's not done yet by any stretch of the imagination. There's always a new chapter and I know, you know as we go into the, the year ahead, we've got some great stuff that we're working on, some of the stuff that we're working on together, for example. Sure. Uh, is, you know, it's potential game-changing stuff in the investing space. and. Uh, and it's, it's about that constant challenge. That's what gets you out of bed in the morning. If there's no challenge and there's no fun, that's a dull place to be. There you go, you heard it here first, guys. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you for your time. My pleasure. Thanks very much for listening, guys.